Welcome to the Hashtag Finance Podcast, part of the Public Entrepreneur Content Network. And this program is proudly sponsored by CSE. I'm here today with Susan Emil, partner at Global Regulatory Risk Advisors. Hi, Susan. How are you today? Hi, Grace. I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Um, so could you tell us a little bit more about your role at Global Regulatory Risk Advisors? Sure. Um, we are a regulatory technology company, and we, we focus on different emerging risks. Um, one of those risks happens to be cannabis, and so it's a new emerging industry with lots of risks and lots of regulations. And so what we try to do is uh, bring it all together and make it easier for firms in the industry to comply and do what they're supposed to be doing. That's great. And so what do you think is one of the biggest risks for a cannabis company? Yeah. There are a lot of a lot of risks. That's a very hard uh, question to answer. Um, the biggest risk to you? Oh, the you biggest think? risk. Um, I, I think that you know a part of the concern is we obviously as a CSE that you have a lot of companies that are going public, um, and so compliance risk and the legal risks are, are two huge factors. Um, from a compliance risk perspective, this is a new industry. Uh, firms may not be familiar with. Uh, compliance and, and those things they need to do to uh, have efficient controls and a culture of compliance to make sure that their employees are not putting the organization at risk. Um, and from a legal risk perspective, there are a lot of gray areas and a lot of uh, unknown answers. Um, and it's really uh, interesting from my perspective just because you don't have the level of interpretive guidance or enforcement cases that help firms understand and navigate those gray areas. Yeah. I actually was have a, I had a podcast this morning with um, a gentleman that um, owns a C, uh, was the CEO of a cannabis company, and he was saying that um, they have to, cannabis companies are um, have to move very fast because of all of the regulatory laws, especially in the states. They kind of change so quickly. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. So what, can you give a little insight into um, kind of like why they would change so fast in the states and, mm -hmm. and how um, you've seen cannabis companies keep up? Sure. Uh, we actually have a website called thcregs.com where we monitor the regulatory changes within the United States. Oh, how are, accurate are they? Like how within, like, I mean, to the time that they are released? We monitor them on a daily basis, okay. so we try to provide as, as much um, notice or as quick of a notice as possible. But I think what's really interesting and where you'll see over the next year is at the federal level, a lot of industries are, are preempted by the federal regulations like the securities industry, mm -hmm. uh, which means that each state has their own regulations, but generally they fall in line with the umbrella that has been outlined by the federal government. Um, with cannabis and, you know, with legislation that's currently being considered by Congress under the States Act, the states have led the charge in developing the industry. Uh, and what that means is that you have 50 different regulators, ultimately, that are going to be regulating hemp production, uh, CBD uh, production, um, as well as uh, recreational and medical marijuana. And uh, so when you start to look at, you know, the federal um, regulations that the USDA and the FDA uh, and the SEC have around, uh, you know, the production of the products and, and the safety for consumers, um, it's, there's a, a, a much heavier regulatory framework at the state level. Um, so each state has their own regulatory framework, and then it goes down to the municipality level. Um, so there are an extensive number of regulations. Um, you really do need technology to help you 
keep up with it, understand what you need to do, how it impacts your business, and then how to comply. And what kind of technology is that? Um, we have a, a technology called Obedio, and Obedio is a governance, risk, and compliance technology where we have a library of regulations, uh, we have a reg change process where when those regulations change, we update them and then provide you an alert to tell you, okay, you're in California, um, here this law just went into effect, and this is how the state is adopting the regu- regulation to implement it. Wow. And by the way, here are the municipalities and how they're responding to that regulation as well. Oh, wow. Um, so how do you think that, because one of the, the CEO that I was sp- speaking to earlier uh, this morning said they have people, um, you know, on the ground um you know, conversing and and um, actively involved with regulators um, in different states to before the news is being released, mm-hmm. they know about it. How do you think that that happens? Like, is that is that legal? Is that is that something that you're seeing? Well, if the the really interesting thing about regulations is that every regulation tells a story, and regulations are adapted to mitigate a risk that exists. And so a regulator might de- might identify risk when they go to do an, ex- an inspection or an audit and where they, where they might identify a problem that poses a risk to consumers, poses a risk to, uh, you know, the overall society. And so they need input because they're not in the business of, you know, running a dispensary or growing marijuana. So they need input from the industry on what effective practices can be put in place to mitigate that risk. Um, so it's really a, a great process to bring in the industry um, and really get the most effective answer to the regulators' questions and what they're trying to, um, you know, mitigate or, or get rid of. Uh, and there's a you know process called the American Procedures Act where the regulators have to publish the regulations. The public has an opportunity to comment and provide feedback, and then the regulator can take that into consideration before issuing a final regulation. Okay. Um, and so going back to the technology that you're using um, for people to get these alerts, um, is there any kind of, are you using any kind of blockchain or security technology for this? I, thought, I think there is. I think DC is using blockchain. Okay. <laughs> so something for their technology. But uh, no, so our technology is really um, a a. It's a workflow tool yeah. that is really an amped up database that allows you to have a lot of uh, regulations, do associations. And I think where we provide value is we, we try to um, rationalize similar obligations across the states. Okay. So where you might have 50 different uh, obligations, we try to show you, hey, you can do this and satisfy all 50 and really boil it down to uh, one thing that a, a, a entity should do to comply with the regulations. Okay. And how many people use your platform? Um, We are rolling out the platform right now. So we're continually growing and and we are a startup. So um, hopefully, you know, we'll have a a lot of users. Oh, great. Have you uh, gotten any feedback thus far? We have. And what's really interesting is the feedback that we're getting is that uh, firms want to focus the regulations on really growing revenues as well as complying the regulations. Uh, So within the cannabis industry, you need to be able to identify where you can obtain licenses to engage in an activity. So a lot of the um, the companies that are listed on the CSE are actually vert- vertically integrated, which mm-hmm. means they grow 
Um, they process, they um, you know, manufacture and, and sell it through their dispensaries. But they need to find a city where they can engage in these activities yeah. within a state. Uh, so what we do is we, we take the regulations and we pull out that information that will help these organizations identify, oh, that's where I can go to, to get a license and be there uh, in the front of the line before everybody else tries to, to get that license. Because they really are in a limited supply. Um, and it's very difficult to obtain. Yeah. And how do you uh, see the competition landscape for uh, for cannabis companies? I mean, you're, you're offering like a technology for other companies to kind of get a leg up in, in a state. Um, but how do you see a company really getting the majority of the people in a state as customers? Um, what would be their advantage? Right. And I, I, at this point in time, we're seeing a lot of consolidation in the industry. Uh, so, for example, if you can't obtain a license, the other alternative is to buy somebody who has a license. Um, and this is growing very complex because a lot of the local municipalities that are opting into marijuana and cannabis want to make sure that their local residents participate within the revenue. And so there, there's this, um, there's this balancing act between, you know, making sure that your local citizens and you know those people who have been unfairly um, impacted by prior drug regulations participate in the new industry, but also those individuals need capital, and mm-hmm. you know there is a lot of capital that you know people raise by listing on the CSE um, that can be used to to really build out mm-hmm. a business in a much quicker fashion and generate more revenues for the cities and the states. Okay, great. Um, and so you you have a little bit of history um, working with stock, uh, a stock exchange. Mm-hmm. And uh, which stock exchanges were those? Um, I worked at the American Stock Exchange and the National Stock Exchange. Oh. Uh, but I've, I've, over time, I've worked with, with a, a number of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And... Um, Seeing this, like this cannabis um, industry, uh, it's it, or this bubble, I guess it's it's um, it's interesting times. Mm-hmm. Could you relate back to another um, like industry that was quite similar, where there was a lot of excitement and like un- people don't really know what to expect and. You know, this is I've never seen anything like this and I have to say I I give the individuals who really move this industry along a lot of credit because um, especially working in regulated industries we're so used to hearing no and and you you tend to give up and uh, these people actually did a wonderful job the advocates and and the um, entrepreneurs uh, to build an industry where now they're, you know, it's facing legalization in the United States. So I haven't seen that type of industry in my career. Um, but you know, when we go back to you know the dot com uh, era back in the late '90s, um, where it was this brand new industry called the internet, and and all of the companies that were kind of jumping in. Um, it seems a little similar, uh, depending upon you know what happens over the next couple of years, um, and the ability for firms to maintain um, a and, and to make the the sufficient revenues to stay in business, given the high levels of fees and taxes competition. Um, and competition that they're facing in the industry. Yeah. So, do you think it'll have the same? Do you think that the cannabis industry will have the same end result as the dot com industry? 
I mean, ultimately, everything's a dot com right now. Yeah. So we hope. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but hopefully they won't go through the growing pains that the dot com industry went through in the late 90s. What were those growing pains? Um, I think that there was just a, such a rush to get in, mm-hmm. and there was an overinflation of prices, and perhaps not, yeah, the business plans weren't as profitable as they, they could have been. Um, so you saw a great anticipation for future revenues that may not have been there, and so uh, the companies may not have lasted as, as long as they should. Mm-hmm. And so you have your JD, um, which is very impressive. <laughs> um, and for those of you that don't know, a JD, and correct me if I'm wrong, is doing your law degree and your MBA at the same time. Oh, no, that's... I no? Mean, no? Is that <laughs> so a JD, JD MBA? Yes, okay, 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 sorry. Yeah. So what's the, what's the JD? <laughs> I, I'm just a lawyer. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Not just a lawyer, don't... Uh, I, I don't practice law anymore, yeah. but... Yeah. yeah, so what did what law did you want to practice when you first got out of law school? Like, what was your kind of... This is kind of embarrassing. (laughs) But I I remember reading Barbarians at the Gate when I was What's Barbarians at the Gate? It's it's this, you know, story about finance and um, you know, KKR and Nabisco and all these these great companies and I um, had wanted to work in the finance field and so uh, you know, I went to law school, and, and my first job out of law school happened to be on a trading floor, and I thought I was the luckiest person in the world. Which trading floor was that? Um, that was a trading floor in, in Michigan okay. uh, for a company that had been sold, but um, it was the greatest experience. It was during the dot-com era. Um, it was very exciting. It was the beginning of electronic trading, and uh, which obviously the world is now... Uh, we're, we're moving on to blockchain, we're mm-hmm. past the automation aspect and, and moving to blockchain technology. So um, it's it's been a fantastic ride, and I look forward to uh, the excitement in the, the cannabis industry as well. That's great. But what kind of lawyer did you want to be, like when you first got out? Um, I... I wanted to be a regulatory lawyer. Okay, which, regulatory. Okay, yes, always wanted to be a regulatory lawyer. I like regulations. Oh, okay. <laughs> what, what about what is it about regulations that you like? Um, it's it's the history. It's the story that the regulations tell. Uh, so, any regulation that you see, something happened where the lawmaker said, "We need to we need a regulation to make sure this never happens again." Mm-hmm. Uh, so, when you look at the securities regulations, you had the um, crash in nineteen twenty nine and um, other scandals that led to uh, the you know, development and the adoption and enactment of additional laws and regulations. Oh, interesting. And so did you ever want to regulate something yourself back in the day? Like, And if so, what was it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I worked at a couple of regulators. I worked at the Securities and Exchange Commission, um, and I, I was a regulator at, at an exchange as well. Um, I, you know... I think regulators do an important job, and yeah, they make sure that the wheels you know, stay on the vehicle and, and the vehicle stays on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's you know, downsides, meaning what happens to innovation when you have you know, it's too much enforcement and, and um, you know, the regulators are not focused on helping an industry innovate and become more efficient, but become more comfortable in ensuring that the long-time policies, policies that they have stay in place. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I you know, look at the state regulators within the cannabis industry. 
um, they really are doing that, which is yeah. helping the industry and coming up with the right solution that you know protects everyone, but yet allows the industry to continue growing. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're from New York, right? I'm from no, Michigan. Okay, originally. Michigan originally, yes. but you're living in New York. I'm living in New York. Okay. Correct. Uh-huh. And uh, what part of New York? I haven't been to New York yet. I'm, I want to go soon. Uh, I I am a new resident of Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> of Hell's Kitchen? <laughs> yes. Where's that? <laughs> well, it's it's where you would expect Hell to be. No, no, no. Oh. no. <laughs> I think it's the show. <laughs> no. It's um. It's so Hell's Kitchen is is near uh, Times Square. But okay. It's, um, it has a, it's a, you know, it has a real f- character about it, and um, there's uh, been a lot of growth over the last couple of years, but it's, it still doesn't lose its character. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's great. And are, do you frequent Toronto? You come to Toronto a lot? I, you know, growing up in Michigan, I used to come to Canada yeah. all the time. Yeah. Um, in fact, I do want to say that I did swim to Canada, even though my family says that I did not. We used to, we lived in a, a town that was. It was on a river directly across from Canada, and so you I, used to swim to Canada. That's interesting. Well, I swam to Canada. My family <laughs> debates whether or not it actually happened, but it, I, it did. Like, it definitely did. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, and so you're here for the Benzinga conference. I'm here for the Benzinga conference, um, which I think is really important, uh, given the the lack of access to capital that mm-hmm. the industry has right now. Um, these events are really important. Um, and it's it's really important for these companies that are you know struggling to keep up with demand, struggling to um, you know put in the legal and compliance systems that they need to uh, to reduce and mitigate risks, uh, to find you know partners who are um, you know willing to go on that ride and and you know really give them the capital to grow their businesses. Yeah, and and. Um what kind of neat stories have you seen uh, at the conference? At the conference, the conferences are I, they, they are. Um, I, what I love about the conference is the number of entrepreneurs that you know come up with an idea and and they execute and they not only execute but they you know do it in a way that um, is is really remarkable. Um, so it. Every story, there is, you know, a background as far as how they started, how many couches they slept on before they actually you know, were able to get the capital needed to, uh, you know, build out their dream. So, yeah, that's great. Um, and I guess uh, another question I just want to ask was another uh, conversation I had uh, today was saying the CEO of a cannabis company had said that, um, a lot of these cannabis companies need the um, funds or the capital to be able to have a leg up on mm-hmm. regulatory law. Are there any other uh, resources other than uh, your website just to get a leg up on what's going on before the, the law goes out? Like, what, what can they do that's um, cost effective mm-hmm. to, to kind of battle that, that kind of, mm-hmm. um, yeah? Um, there are there are a lot of resources, and another thing I've been very impressed with with the state regulators is the level of guidance that they provide to the industry. Um, they do a lot of the work for the industry that normally, you know, the industry would hire consultants or lawyers to do for them. So, um, you know, California, Oregon, Washington, um, Michigan, 
Massachusetts, they all issue a tremendous amount of guidance on what their expectations are for the industry and complying with the regulations. They provide checklists. They provide cheat sheets. Um, they provide their inspection guides, which you don't normally see within the yeah, the other industries that I'm, I've worked in is that they actually tell you, we're going to come in and this is what we're going to look for, which obviously you should be able to, you know, take that list and, and check to make sure that you have everything in place. Um, so there, there's a tremendous amount of uh, information out there. I think the problem is, is just that there's so much information. Yes, so how do you collect it and all? How do you collect yeah. it all? And how do you synthesize? Uh, because at the end of the day, you really want that culture of compliance where I, as an organization, I should have my policies and my procedures and the standards that are not going to be, okay, we're going to do this in California, we're going to do this in Massachusetts and this in Michigan. You know, we should have an enterprise system where we have enterprise policies um, that drive the culture and drive uh, compliance with the regulations. Um, and the regulators can look to that to see exactly how they're fulfilling the individual requirements. Mm, interesting. Well, thank you so much for um, coming and speaking with us today. Um, and you probably had a long day at the conference, and uh, we really appreciate you stopping by. Oh, thanks for having us, and um, I'd love to see You guys are doing a great job, so uh, thank you. Doing it. Thanks. <laughs> thanks. Hi, it's Grace from the CSC reminding you to make sure to follow us on social media for the latest updates on our listed companies as well as new listing alerts. For more in-depth content, be sure to pick up our free quarterly magazine, Public Entrepreneur, available online at thecsc.com.